Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and today's episode is a very special episode because it is part of our Paradise Pack Sessions 2016. And what we did here, Jason Moore from the Zero to Travel Podcast and myself got together and we did a six hour live broadcast where we brought on 12 of the world's foremost experts in how to travel cheap, build a business, work from anywhere, create a location independent lifestyle. We interviewed them all for 30 minutes at a time, took your questions, got them answered all live six and a half hours straight. And now what we are doing is providing that audio for you on the Extra Pack of Peanuts podcast. You'll be able to listen to every single interview split up by participant. And this is all to celebrate our Paradise Pack. And if you're unfamiliar with the Paradise Pack, what it is, is it's a bundle of the world's best products for how to build a business, how to travel cheap, how to live a location-independent lifestyle. And we put it together seven days only once a year. And the Paradise Pack sale, if you're listening to this live, ends today, Monday, June 6, 2016 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. So you'll never be able to get these products again. It's over $2,500 worth of the best resources in the world on how to travel cheap, build a business that you can earn money from anywhere, and how to give yourself the three main freedoms. That's location freedom, time freedom, and financial freedom. So $2,500 worth of products, including my frequent flyer bootcamp business class course, which normally sells for $247. All those products, my business class course, plus the 24 other products, were selling at a steep discount, only $197, 90% off. And you can get it by going to extra pack of peanuts.com slash paradise. So don't forget to go there now if you're interested. We don't want you to miss out. This will never be available again. Once the clock strikes midnight, Monday, June 6th at midnight, you'll never be able to get again. So don't forget, you can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash paradise to check that out. And now let's roll right into this interview with one of our awesome people from the Paradise Pack Livecast during this Paradise Pack Sessions 2016. And, and really quick, and we've, we're hey, going to bring Tim in. Tim's here, so we'll chat with Tim in one minute. Really quick, one tip that you can have if you own a house and you're looking to be location independent, and I currently do this now, and I know, Jason, you're, you're planning on doing this when you get out traveling again as well, is uh, now with a shared economy and Airbnb and HomeAway and VRBO, there's so many ways that your house can help you make money while you're traveling that before it kind of used to be like this lead weight, like, oh, I'm traveling well, and I have to pay the mortgage. Well, now there's a lot of ways that you can do it. And, and we've been doing it with Airbnb over the last eight months that we were back in our house and then traveling as well, um, where it's helped either supplement the mortgage or cover it completely. So um, if you do have a house and you're like, well, this is time me down, think of unique ways. And one of those is, is Airbnb and rent it while you're away. So uh, right. just some thoughts there. Let's hear Mr. Tim Leffel's thoughts on this. How yeah, you doing, yeah, yeah. Tim? Hey, guys. Hey, I've got my uh, house up for rent in Mexico, which is where I talked to you from last time. So <laughs> I believe in that uh, wholeheartedly. Nice little extra chunk of income coming in. Yeah, I didn't realize you uh, actually owned the home there. So you bought a house in Mexico and now you're renting it out. Yeah, the first year we lived there, we just um, rented, an, uh, rented an apartment. Um, and then eventually we bought something after we knew the lay of the land. I kind of smell another book coming here maybe on how to buy real estate abroad because uh, I don't know if you're working on that, but that, that would be something I'd be really interested in reading about, particularly from you 
because a huge, I'm a huge fan of your work. We're thrilled to have you back in the Paradise Pack again for uh, the second year now, I guess. You came yeah, on the live cast. Me. Oh, man, it's, it's a pleasure. And um, really excited to have, have your world's cheapest destination package because this is something that's ever shifting as, uh, as time goes on. Of course, currencies are changing. Different countries have different things to offer. You're somebody who's worked all over the world, so you're bringing the travel aspect and the location-dependent aspect to this conversation as well. But uh, as Travis has started with the other guests, uh, it's always good to learn a little bit more about you and who you are and um, kind of how you got into all of this because uh, you know some people here might might not be familiar with your work so kind of wanted to sh wonder if you could share a little bit hard sure. to believe they don't know Tim Leffel though nah, That's nah, well, hard to <laughs> we all start somewhere and I started out in the shoes of probably most of the people that are listening to this um, I got kind of a late start in my late 20s traveling around the world and basically went backpacking around the world total three years and taught English some of that time and started working as a travel writer. And basically when I got back to the U.S. and sort of uh, settled down, <laughs> had a kid and all that, I put out the first edition of the World's Cheapest Destinations book because um, there was nothing out there like it that I, I could find. And so I, I'm not, I don't have the first one here, but this is the second edition. This is the third edition. <laughs> and so the one that's out now is the fourth. And next year, I'm going to start working on a fifth one. So, yeah, things do change, and I do try to keep it updated. Um, and anyway, I also have a book out called the, A Better Life for Half the Price, and that's all about uh, living abroad where you can really uh, cut your expenses in half, and that does not include Norway. Um, but it <laughs> I'm doing it all wrong, places. Tim. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then I'm a, I'm a travel writer. I run a bunch of blogs. Um, my Cheapest Destinations blog has been up since 2003, so uh, – I'm an old man pioneer, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, can you share a little bit? I know, you know, you started, like you said, in your 20s, but I know just from knowing your personal story, there was a time where um, you had to make that transition from kind of sort of this more traditional, I guess, working type of situation to becoming a travel writer. Can you share a little bit uh, about that transition and how that went for you? Because a lot of people that are here are in that's not everybody but a lot of people are in that space where they're in that transitional zone trying to either go from a job to this or maybe they're out and trying to make bigger things happen yeah so i've i've had a few regular corporate jobs in my lifetime and uh i've been able to step away from that for the last 10 years and be completely on my own but i didn't really take that big leap until i was at the point where i could earn enough to support my family and say goodbye to the cubicle forever but, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's a lot of advantages to having a real job, especially when you're trying to uh, start something on the side and you're not sure if it's going to take off or not. Uh, you know, then eventually you can just uh, get it to a point where it's doing well and, um, you know, make the make the big leap. But I worked for um, I worked in the music business for RCA Records, which sounds like a dream job. And it, it was back then. But still, even with. Uh, um, a dream, you know, job that sounds glamorous, you're still basically moving widgets and having lots of meetings and dealing with idiot bosses and all those things that you <laughs> have to in any kind of company. And uh, my wife had a similar job and we were both just kind of frustrated with it. And we uh, just took off and went traveling around the world. And But neither of us ever went back to that kind of job again. And so um, I had another one working for a tech company later, right after I had a baby. I did that for a few years and did actually work in a cubicle for a while. So I know what it's like, and I'm glad to not be doing it anymore. 
You, you feel the pain of, of a lot of the people out there who have said they're in a cubicle hiding the wire or, or having yeah. it on a second monitor so they can close it out and everything like that. Um, we've been getting some questions, uh, Tim, about traveling, uh, specifically uh, one from Spike way back in the beginning. So thanks for your patience, Spike. Well, I'd like to hear from people who travel with small children or with a family. And, you're, um, and you are, the I believe, the first person who's been on who, who has a family and who has been traveling a lot and living in another country can you talk about like what that experience was like a first like getting them to buy into it or maybe maybe they were bought into it and then how it progressed because you've done it and uh and now you've gone back to the u.s so that's another little added extra layer to it yeah i got my daughter her first passport when she was three so um we definitely have been taking her a lot of places ever since and uh, a couple of years ago, we even went up, went back to Southeast Asia and went to Thailand and Vietnam and, and uh, Cambodia with her. But, uh, you know, the last like three of the last five years, we lived in Mexico. So she went to school there. She's fluent in Spanish and uh, it's been good. And I, of course, it's a very different when you're traveling with kids than with when you're not. And the main thing is you have to go a lot slower and. Um, you can't really just think of your own needs all the time. You got somebody else that's uh, maybe more impatient and more whiny with you that you have to deal with. But kids also give you a whole different perspective on a place. And they also, in my experience, open up a lot more doors for socializing with local people. They're just not nearly as intimidated by you if you've got a kid with you. You know, you seem like a normal person that they can relate to. So I think there's a big advantage to that. Um, like mothers will never talk to me while I'm by myself, you know, <laughs> but if I've got my daughter <laughs> along, then uh, it's okay. So um, there, the good thing is, I just want to point out real quick, there's a lot more um, kind of traveling the world family blogs out there than there used to be. And some of them are really doing quite well, like Travels with Bender and um, Why Travel Blog and some of those where they've, you know, they're traveling around the world with small kids and showing it can be done. Yeah, as speaking of why travel blog, uh, Kaz and Craig, also part of the Paradise Pack, and they talk about how to basically take your blog and turn it into to a business, like and and why a blog, yeah, why it's more than just a blog and it's a business. And um, Tim, with with the family travel, was there ever a time that you you felt it was too much, like where where you thought because we got some people asking like how young is too young to travel? Uh, so I want you to get on that question. But was there ever a time where you thought like all right, I can't do this with a family. Like it's just too much either for my children, for my wife, for me. Or was it like once you got in and settled, was it just kind of the way it was? Yeah, it wasn't that hard of a transition for me because I'm kind of a slow travel guy anyway. I never have been one of those people that like tries to hit a city and go to 15 museums in three days. You know, I think that's just not a fun way to travel. So I would rather take it slow and just do one or two things each day and stay longer, you know, and a kid sort of forces you to do that. Um, you know, there are some some. Uh, trade-offs you have to make, like maybe you're going to go to more playgrounds than you wanted when they're five years old. You know? um, but, you know, like I said, you meet other locals when you're doing something like that, and that can be kind of a different experience too. And it's kind of fun to go to a local amusement park, for example, and see all the, you know, things that they do differently and see what kind of food they're selling and all that kind of stuff. So for me, it was, uh, it was an enjoyable transition. And um, maybe, you know, we, we, we travel differently when we're by ourselves than we do with a kid with us, but I still think, uh, they can both work pretty well and both be really enlightening. 
Tim, should we roll into some cheap destination questions? Yeah, I'd love to. And um, this is a great timing as far as when we're doing this. I, I put a post up a few months ago called, um, if you're an American, you're insane not to be traveling this year. Because, <laughs> I mean, really, if you have any money at all and you're not going somewhere this year internationally, then you're kind of an idiot. And maybe you shouldn't uh, be an entrepreneur because you're not very good at spotting opportunities. <laughs> Telling it like it is. <laughs> no, I mean, this is like a time when the U.S. dollar is at a historic high um, or near close to it with so many different currencies, it's ridiculous. And I'm going to run off a short list here because uh, this just shows you an example. These are all currencies that are either um, at a record low against the dollar or close to it. So Nepal, Nicaragua, Morocco, Mexico, Czech Republic, Hungary, Indonesia, Thailand, Ethiopia, South Africa, Colombia, and Turkey. And those are just ones I checked before I got on the uh, on the call here. So yeah, I oh I was gonna say I can personally speak to to especially South Africa. Um, for for me having been there um four or five months ago, and I thought I was getting such a good deal because it was at a high then, and then it just keeps going up the dollar against the rand. It's it's incredible the opportunities that you can have, and and some of those countries are already fairly cheap, um, and this just makes them even more cheaper. South Africa typically on par with the U.S., some parts of Western Europe, things like that. If you were to travel there a couple of years ago, and I mean we're sitting in Cape Town, South Africa, going to eat at some of the nicest restaurants where like the prince where Prince Harry ate when he came through, getting a three course <laughs> meal. And it's costing us $15. So like the same as going out to like a pub in the U.S. And we're getting this extravagant, awesome meal. Um, so if anyone is looking to go to any of those places, and really most of the rest of the world, it's it's the dollar is killing it. Just just go, especially if it's a place that you've thought, ah, this is a little expensive, like Norway, um, which is usually very, very expensive. And now it's at least swallowable, right? It's like manageable. Um, definitely get out and travel. Yeah. And um that's another point too. Like, you know, the expensive places are not as expensive each year this year. So there's two ways you can play it. You can go somewhere that's super cheap and now it's going to be even cheaper, or you can go to Canada or England or France or, you know, someplace you've wanted to go that was maybe too pricey before. I'm going to say come to Norway because uh, I could use some visitors and it would be nice to see everybody. <laughs> um, no, that's great. So the Paradise Pack specific guide you put together too. Do you want to talk a little bit about what's in that? Yeah, and it's um that's sort of a collection of blog posts that were things I've done over the years that were real advice oriented, maybe insider information, insider advice kind of things that I did not put out in any kind of book form. And I think the problem with a lot of blogs that have been around a while like mine is you end up at a point where you're like at 1500 posts or something and nobody's ever going to go through all of those. Yeah. And so I just cherry picked some of the ones that were kind of evergreen and would give you some real strategies to avoid problems and to save a lot of money. And I, I called it, uh, why didn't anyone tell me that? Because that's what people say a lot of times when you uh, give them this kind of advice. What is your favorite strategy from that guide? Something that, that's really like, man, this thing just rocks my world. Well, I think um, people tend to uh, learn a lot of stuff by trial and error after they've been out there a month or two on the road that that um, newbies have no clue about. And you can sort of spot them, you know, as they get off the plane and they're wandering around lost, you know. But, I mean, there are um, one, um, you know, 
there's some things on there about travel gear. There's some things about, um, you know, planning as far as uh, your flights. And I think one key thing on that is on flights, a lot of people will buy an around the world airline ticket for every single place they're going to stop before they leave, which A, takes a lot of um, flexibility out of your schedule, but it also costs you a lot more because you can generally, um, I like to call it, a, you can get a skeleton around the world ticket where maybe it's only like two or three of the stops and then you buy the rest after you get there or go overland or whatever the case may be. But I mean, most of those tickets, once you get to Bangkok are cheaper in Bangkok to go almost anywhere else in the world than they would be if you bought them at home. So um, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, say it's a bad thing to buy from um, uh, Sean Keener's uh, around the world airline ticket company. It's worthwhile to do that, but maybe don't buy every single stop and lock yourself into something ahead of time. Yeah, which is perfect because as you were saying that, Jader just asked the question, I'm a new traveler. How critical is it to plan your travels in advance? How far out should I design my my travel? I'm balancing price and freedom. And I think to your point, and I think Jason, I can speak to this as well. Um, typically, you are going to get cheaper tickets when you get to a place and you find out where you want to go. So like typically price and freedom can go hand in hand. Like it doesn't have to be, if I book everything ahead of time, it's going to be cheaper. A lot of times you're going to find out about airlines that are going to be flying between Bangkok and Khan Can, Thailand called Con Air, which is an example that I, that I had no idea was there until someone said, check these guys out. And I was like, $20 ticket instead of a $100 <laughs> yeah, ticket. Right? Knock, knock air. I remember yeah, that one so, in Thailand. So there's a lot of stuff like that. Um, and, and I do think as a new traveler, you might want to, a, a good piece of advice is to like hem in the big chunks, right? Like if you're going to go for three months, maybe be like, all right, well, I want to do a month in Europe. I want to do a month in Asia. I want to do a month in South America, whatever it is. I mean, that might be too quick for someone, but at least hem in the big parts and then give yourself that freedom. And when you're on the ground, ask around because there is going to be a lot of stuff that you have no idea about. And also back to something you guys talked about earlier, sometimes you get to a place and you don't like it that much. You know, you, th you thought it was going to be like a perfect spot for you and you get there and you go, wow, this is this place sucks and you want to move on. You know, but if you've uh, nailed down your whole itinerary week by week, then you don't have the flexibility to just go somewhere else or stay longer in a place that you land in and really like a lot. Yeah, um, Jake, Jake asked a really good question and I'm, I'm going to. Uh, ask your opinion and then I'm going to give you a website as well. And he just asked, you know, how um, how do you check into the power of the dollar in various countries? Because obviously with currencies, you know, it, it fluctuates. It, it seems like just because the dollar is worth four times as much as another currency, it doesn't mean it's a good price of goods and it's actually cheaper. So I, there's a website called priceofofravel.com, which does a fantastic job of basically putting everything in US dollars so you can compare. Do you have other tips um, of how to know kind of how expensive an actual country is before going there? Yeah, um, I do like price of travel a lot. Um, there's another one called Numbeo, N-U-M-B-E-O, and um, it's sort of user-generated info, but it actually puts New York City um, at 100 on the scale and ranks everything else compared to that. So for instance, Oslo would be more, but somewhere like uh, Kathmandu would be maybe, you know, 40 or 30 on the scale. So um, and it puts everything in there, you know, like uh, what you pay for an average apartment, what a meal costs, you know, what a pint of milk costs, whatever, you know, all the basic stuff, a beer and a bar. And so um, you can sort of get a sense around the world of what things cost. So that's a good one. And then the inf the place I go to pull up historic um, exchange information, it's a site that's FXTOP, 
FXTOP.com. I don't know what that stands for, but FXTOP.com will give you historic exchange rates, but then you can go to you know, XE.com or any of them just to get the current rate. But I like to use that one because it gives you a sense of where we are in history compared to before. And I mean, just to give you an example, when I first started going to Mexico, it was 10 and a half pesos to the dollar. And right now it's 18. I mean, that's a massive difference for a place that's right next door. <laughs> yeah, and I can speak from experience in Norway too. I understand what Jake's saying. Sometimes it doesn't correlate. However, oftentimes it can. And the coffee shop here, you know, lattes would cost like literally nine to ten dollars, sometimes eleven. But like when I first came here three three years ago, Man. now it's like five bucks, six yeah. bucks maybe, which is that's in Tim's cheaper. guide world's most expensive destinations. <laughs> yes, we all can make fun of the fact that I'm doing it all wrong. <laughs> but you know, it's all a trade off, right? You have clean streets and nice uh, childcare and things like that. Yeah, that's. Yeah, there was a, a good question speaking about money above from Amy, and um, who's also going to be in Norway, Jason. She said in July she's going to get a hold of you. But Amy asked right. about the exchange rate, about currency. Where's the best place to exchange, uh, exchange currency? Is it better to withdraw from an ATM? specifically going to Norway, or take a pocket full from the U.S.? So, Tim, what do you do typically with a currency? Well, of course, to your expertise, Travis, I would say if you're going to use a credit card, uh, use one that's going to get you something out of the deal, some mileage or hotel points or whatever, and that doesn't charge a foreign exchange uh, fee. Right. Um, but if you're using, uh, otherwise, your best bet's usually to use a debit card, and preferably a debit card that doesn't charge you a bunch of fees. And usually you can get one with no fees or even a kickback on your fees from um, the brokerage sites like Fidelity and Schwab and ones like that. Um, any local credit union you belong to is usually fee-free or close to it. And I use a PayPal debit card to access my PayPal account. I think it's a dollar or a dollar fifty to take money out of that, and that's not much. Yeah, and and speaking of that, um, Charles Schwab. I, I the one I recommend is called a chart. If you're in the U.S., it's a Charles Schwab high yield investor. I don't know why they put all those other words on, but Charles Schwab <laughs> high yield investor. Don't know what it means. You open it up, it's free, and um, it's a debit, and you you can put money into it. And when you go to any ATM in the world, they don't charge you to get money out of the ATM. And if that ATM charges you they reimburse the whole fee. So like in Thailand, where it's six US dollars to take money out of an ATM, even though that's like three dinners, and I'd always get so mad, um, our, our our friend and, and someone who helps us with the Paris Pack, uh, Tiffany, was in, in the chat box. She said, Travis, you're an idiot. Like, get this card. And she, we were in Thailand together, and she was showing me how it worked. So um, now I use it all over the world. So it's an awesome card to get money out of, because not only do they not charge you, but they give you the fee if the ATM charges you. And then on top of that, you can stack that with credit cards that have no foreign transaction fee, which luckily most cards are going that way nowadays because they, they kind of know they have to because everyone's traveling all over the place. So um, check those two things out. And I'd say traveling in the States, I always love to just do the cash back at, uh, at grocery stores. That was always one of my favorite moves, you know? Yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> The thing you don't want to do ever is exchange money at the airport um, before you go. That's like the worst place or at your local bank before you go. After you get there at the airport, okay, if you need to exchange 50 bucks or something. But you're almost always better to take it out of a machine. Yeah, and the the other thing that I would recommend as well is I, I do always – so um, Amy said, like, should I bring a pocket full of cash? I'm always wary because I'm very uh, – I, I leave stuff everywhere. So I never care uh, travel with a, a bunch of cash. 
A, I don't want to get it stolen, but B, I'll probably like lose my wallet on some point during the trip. But I always do have about a hundred US dollars with me as like emergency. Okay, my card got eaten. I lost all my credit cards. I lost this, I lost that. I always do have like a little bit of an emergency fund. And how much you're gonna bring has to depend on how you travel, how many people are with you, maybe you have a family stuff and that, but you might want to bring cash with you as an emergency fund, put it somewhere that's not in your wallet. So if you lose your wallet or your purse, you still have it um, just as an extra precaution. So I always do that as well. Yeah. Ideally, if you had like 50 or hundred euros and 50 or hundred dollars, you're pretty set anywhere in the world. If you get into trouble. <laughs> Other I, I than like, Norway. I, I like to have a little cash on me, you know? It's always good to have a little cash on you. Now, if you see me walking down the street, don't jump me. But there are also countries where, um, you know, the the ATM system or the credit card system are not very far along. And there are also countries that are in chaos. If you're in Venezuela right now, you better have some U.S. dollars on you. Yeah, and I've been yeah. to Guatemala when there's a line out the door for the ATM and the ATM's out of money and you can't get money yeah. anywhere. There's these shortages that happen. So I... Especially I like, on payday. Yeah, I mean, I, I always, I always, my rule is like, never carry more than like, and you don't want to ever lose money, but it's like, if I have a couple hundred bucks on me and like, I get robbed or something, it's not like I can't survive, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to be able to continue on, you know? So, uh, excited. Carla's coming in, I guess, and uh, we're going to be talking about self publishing, which is, I know uh, you've done quite a bit of, Tim, but I just want to say before uh, Tim bounces, uh, I think. One of the great things about Tim is like just showing, we talked about kids and all the different ways you've traveled from traveling to living abroad. It's just no type of life is off limits when you can be location dependent and you you have this type of uh, flexibility in your life. Yes, it's hard. We're very transparent about all of that, but you can shape it to your lifestyle. And I think Tim is uh, over the years, you've done it in so many ways, right? I mean, what are your thoughts on that before you, before you part? Yeah, well, you could tell by looking at me, I'm not a, a guy who just came along yesterday and started doing this. And uh, I can go back to the days before there was an internet, and I can tell you it's 10 times easier now than it used to be to do anything abroad. I mean, you basically had to be an English teacher or dive instructor or work as a bartender under the table or something like that to make any money abroad in the um, pre-internet days. But now, I mean, it's so easy, and there's so many tools out there to do you know, all these remote jobs independently. And so take advantage of it. You know, there's a great, uh, there's a great world out there to explore and just take your laptop and make your money as you go along. Amen, brother. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tim, again, Thanks for being for part of the Paradise Pack. Coming on again. Oh, it's, it's great. Thank you so much. See you guys later. Have a good weekend. All right, cheers. Cheers. If you like this message, if you like this interview, don't forget, we've got 11 other Paradise Pack sessions for you to listen to, interviews with some of the world's foremost experts on a variety of topics, and just really, really neat people who pull the veil off what this location-independent lifestyle is about. So check them out. You can listen to those on the Extra Pack of Peanuts podcast. Of course, you can listen to them on iTunes, on Stitcher. You can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. However you're listening to this episode, you can also get those 11 other episodes. If you do resonate with this message, if you're someone out there who's saying, yeah, you know, that's the type of life I want. I, I, I've known that I want to do work that I love, that I want to travel more, that I want to be able to figure out how to make money from anywhere, or run my own business, or not have to wake up to an alarm clock and just live a life that is one that you want and that you've created. Don't forget, check out the Paradise Pack. You can do that by going to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash 
Paradise. It is only available until Monday night, June 6th, 2016 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. After that, it is gone forever. You won't be able to get it. So over $2,500 of resources were selling for $197, over a 90% discount. You can also get my Frequent Fire Bootcamp in there. So don't forget about that. And if you are someone who's interested in, please go over now, extrapackofpeanuts.com slash paradise. I don't want you missing out on this special offer. It only comes once a year. And remember, every year the pack is completely different. So you'll never be able to get this bundle of products again. So head on over there, extrapackofpeanuts.com slash paradise. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for the ongoing support as always. I hope you enjoy the rest of the Paradise Pack sessions. And until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you-